you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Super excited today. We got the man, the myth, the legend. What's up, Don? How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. For those of you know, people out there that don't know, um, can you give just a quick rundown of you know, who you are and uh, what you do and how you got into real estate? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I got into real estate in 2003. Technically, I've been in it for about uh, 15 years now. Um, I started as a door knocker in pre-foreclosure. I think that's your specialty, right? It was door knocking. Yeah. So I, I started working the pre-foreclosure NOD list and door knocking and uh, became uh, very good at it. Uh, very good at, at getting a deal, building rapport, identifying what worked and what didn't. Made a tremendous amount of money. Got the BMW and the nice, nice house and the nice clothes and opened a restaurant and nightclub and started a sunglass line and decided that Everything I touched turned to gold and I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then the market crashed. Ooh. And um, I wasn't running any business I had like a business. Um, I was a bottleneck in all my organizations. So basically, as the market continued to take a dive, I lost everything. And uh, I blamed real estate and everybody else until one day um, I realized I had no options, zero options. And real estate was the only way that I was going to get back into making money and back on my feet. Swallowed my pride. Uh, learned a lot of lessons, um, accepted that I was the reason why I failed and decided I was going to build a real business. So in 2012, I put everything back together again. I built a solid team and we started rehabbing houses. Um, I'm a rehabber. That's my thing. And um, started rehabbing houses and then and slowly built an organization. This year, our goal for, for 2018 is to do 200 houses. Um, that's not all rehabs. I got to qualify that. It's a combination of wholesales, wholesales and rehabs. Um, so, and based on our pace last month, we put 29 houses in contract. So based on our pace, we should hit the 200 house goal by somewhere around the end of September, beginning, beginning of October. So if we stay on the pace, fingers crossed, um, I may hit the 250, 260 house mark for 2018. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's an ebb and flow in the market. I, I may, I may just hit the 200 by the time it's all said and done, but even then that's great. Yeah. I love it, man. Congrats. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so important to actually have goals behind it and, uh, and you know, understand the goals and, and have it fresh on your mind. So that's good. So where exactly are you located? I'm in central Valley, California. So my, okay. the, my, my home base is Fresno, California. But and you're best in other areas, correct? This year we branched out into other markets. We've always been in about a four hour window from our market. We call it the 99 corridor. We go an hour South and about three hours North. But we started venturing into other markets as well. So now I'm in a couple markets in Southern California. Um, I've entered the Bay Area, California. And um, I have a couple other markets that I'm eyeing this year. So we'll be in um, Oregon and Nevada by the end of the year. So I'm, I'm, I'm expanding pretty rapidly right now just because I have a solid team in place and some solid systems in place that, that's allowing me to do it. So I'm trying to, trying to take my company just to the point of breaking it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Listen. so... That's my goal. If I can get into Nevada, I, I probably won't be able to do it before the end of the year just because I don't want to break the team. But if, if I can get into Nevada, you know, say by the end of summer, then I could probably easily break 300 houses by the end of the year. Okay. 
Very so, cool. Yeah. I love that. So uh, you mentioned hotel, it, you know, previously. Mm -hmm. uh, can you go over that exactly and just let people know what that is if, you know, any listeners out there don't know? So a wholesale is essentially, I mean, for all, all intents and purposes, it's very similar to wholesale. You're buying the property, you're contracting the property, you're, you're selling it without touching it, right? The difference is you close on it. So uh, in a wholesale, you, uh, you take the property, you get it in contract, you assign the contract to an end buyer, you never close on that property. In a hotel, you take the property, you actually close, you own it, and then you turn around and resell it. And so we have done the hotels where we just bought the property and turned around and put it on the MLS and sold it. And we've done it where we bought the property and turned around and sell it, sold it to an end buyer. What, what it does is it puts us in somewhat of a position of control. We found that properties that we were trying to possibly wholesale that we couldn't really get a buyer to, to you know, take a bite on. Um, when we closed on it through the MLS, I mean, that's the ultimate buyer's list, right? So yeah. Um, we ended up creating a bidding war and we ended up getting a lot more for the property than we even expected to get. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> just to clarify, um, so with hotel, it's pretty much when you buy a, when you get a wholesale deal and then you actually close on it and then you relist it on the MLS. Typically when people are getting these deals, um, you know, they, they need some work, but mm -hmm. in, in this type of situation, these, these projects are pretty much already good to go and you can just relist, you know, right away on the market. Well, no. So some of them, like the first one we did, I mean, the house was literally caving in on itself. It was a major project and um, we had bought it where we, so we bought it at 50. Uh, we bought it where we needed to be to rehab it. And, but it was going to be a, you know, it was a major project. Um, we like to be in and out of projects about 30 days. We can usually do a full rehab from roof to floor. Um, in 30 days. And this one, because of structural issues, was probably going to be six weeks to two months. And so uh, project manager, our project manager didn't really want to take it on. And um, so we decided to list it. We just figured we'd throw it on the market for 10 days to see what we get. Now, granted, we're in it where we needed to be so we could rehab it and make money. We had nothing to lose. We threw it on the market and we would have made about 20 if we would have rehabbed it. I mean, it wasn't a home run. For, yeah. for the price point, it was a great deal. We ended up walking with like 33 grand. Um, on a hotel because we threw it on the, on the uh, MLS and there was a bidding war. So, and this thing was not in any, any moving condition in any way, shape or form. So, um, hotel can look like a lot of different things. I mean, a lot of people will envision it as something that just needs carpet or just needs paint or just yeah. needs cleaned. Um, but a hotel essentially can run the gamut from, you know, complete and total gut rehab to just clean it out and throw it on the market. Yeah. Um, the, the concept itself is just, you buy it instead of assigning the contract, you know, you buy it and you, you throw, throw it out there for sale. So that, I mean, that's essentially the, I mean, the wrap your brain around a hotel, you just own it for a little while. Yeah. I love that. You know, I found out about hotel, um, about a year ago and it, you know, I, I thought somebody was confusing how they were saying it at first. Mm -hmm. They were trying to say hotel. Um, but I finally understood it. And thanks for clarifying right there. That it makes a lot more sense. I, I thought that the project actually needed to be in, you know, um, pretty much good to go condition to get like FHA approved or whatever it may be. You but still sell the cash buyers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it makes sense. Cool. Um, and a lot of these deals, you know, when, when you're getting these, obviously the lead generation is very important. So that's how you can get such a killer deal by, uh, however you're getting your leads. I know you're, you know, a master pretty much at, uh, systems as well as direct mail marketing. 
So I definitely want to dive into that for a minute. Um, what were the numbers that you've done so far just this year in direct mail marketing? Okay. So this year, <laughs> this, this year we're at about 400,000 pieces, direct mail pieces. 400,000 so, pieces. 400,000 pieces. Yeah. 400,000 pieces. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> So I heard those numbers before I, I've heard like maybe 20,000 or so, but 400,000 pieces. Mm -hmm. That is, that's for the year. And, and, um, we, we didn't do a whole lot of direct mail in January cause I kind of rebooted my whole company. I, I, I changed seats. I moved some people into different positions. I hired a bunch of people in like 2018 for me was, well, this was this way in 2017, I did 122 projects. Um, okay. 106 of those were rehabs and the rest were hotels and, um, wholesales. So three of them are wholesales, the rest are hotels. And I just, I looked at it and I went, okay, I want to do 200 this year. How, how do I accomplish that? And I literally tore down, like I stopped all my marketing at the end of December and I literally tore down my whole operation and rebuilt it in January of 2018. I hired three lead managers. I, I, I figured maybe, you know, two would stick. All three of them are great. I hired a couple of acquisitions people. I moved my, one of my acquisitions people into dispositions to do the wholesale part of it. And um, just kind of configured, reconfigured everything. And then at the end of January, I turned direct mail on. So from the end of January to the beginning of July, we've sent out 400,000 pieces. And I want to qualify that's multiple markets. That's yeah. not like just one market because I am in multiple markets. That's not just one zip code. No, it's not just one <laughs> zip code. And between um, January and now, we've hit some of our lists multiple times. So that, that is a, a culmination of several markets. And we've touched a couple of lists. At, I think we're at three. Um, touches on most of our list list now. So okay. some of that is because we resent out mail. So when when somebody hears that large number, I don't want them to think that we just sent out like everybody one time in our market at four hundred thousand pieces. We've hit a few of those addresses several times. So that's but but the thing is, is we're very aggressive in direct mail as a whole. I think that's the point that needs to be made. Of course, yeah. So overall, I mean, you might have hit a hundred, one hundred fifty thousand houses, possibly somewhere in that mark. Yeah, maybe 200,000. 200, yeah, because we're in, we're in a few markets right now where we've, we've only sent out our first round. So Okay, very cool. Yeah. So um, I definitely want to dive deep into that. And, you know, like, how does that whole process work? Um, obviously, you know, you didn't just start off by um, jumping into these large numbers, right? Like last year, were, were you doing direct mail marketing as well? We were doing direct mail last year. I, we weren't doing any marketing on the scale last year that we are this year. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll put that in perspective. But we were doing direct mail and um, our direct mail cost was creeping up to about $6,000 a purchase, uh, okay. right? You know, hovering in the $6,000 range, which is what I think a lot of people uh, are at now. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like there was a better way of doing it. And um, I felt like the process needed to be better. I felt like, uh, you know, how we approached it, how we tracked it, our KPIs, our key performance indicators for those in the audience who don't know what those are. Key performance indicators are like, you know, how many calls does it take to get a deal? How many calls, well, how many calls does it take to get a lead? How many leads does it take to get an appointment? How many appointments does it take to get a contract? How many contracts does it take to close? So you're tracking all that. And I started basically micro-tracking. Instead of doing direct mail as a whole and looking at, okay, how does direct mail perform? I went, how does each individual list perform standalone on its own merits? And if I break that list into multiple pieces, how does each subsection of that list perform? And so basically I started micro-tracking my list. And I can tell you like one list takes 30 calls to get a contract, but it gets half the response rate as another list. It takes 45 calls to get a contract. Mm -hmm. 
So that one gets takes double the, or gets double the response rate, but takes 45 calls. So I can tell you that about all my lists. I can tell you which lists that I mail to are what I call low hanging fruit. Like there's lists I mail to where we're going to get a call. We're going to get an appointment. We're going to get a contract and we're going to close. And there are other lists that I mail to. We'll get calls and appointments, but we won't close anything. And so from, um, the standpoint of you're looking at that going, well, I didn't close anything on that list in the last six weeks. Maybe I should just kill that list. Yeah. Well, come to find out, I was like, well, I'm going to let it ride. And then we're going to just make sure we have one just crazy follow-up game, right? And in follow-up, that list to produce nothing, my high-hanging fruit list, produce nothing on the front end, produce heavily in follow-up. So now I figured out I got this list that, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mail, I'm going to get calls, I'm going to get contracts, and I have this list I'm going to mail, I'm going to get calls and nothing, but two or three months later, it's going to produce fruit. So you got to figure out, okay, how do I stagger these things to where you got constant fruit production, if that makes sense. <laughs> so. Okay. So if you don't mind, I definitely want to dig deep into like dumb it down the whole process for somebody, any listeners out there that are thinking about starting a direct mail marketing campaign, you know, next week. Um, I would really like to dig deep into this and kind of break this down step by step and how they could do this and implement it because this whole podcast, it's really geared towards uh, pushing people, you know, motivating them, educating them, and then preparing them to take action. So I think the motivating part is definitely handled. We already took care of that. Um, so if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind digging deep into just like step by step, what somebody would need to do, to actually be able to take action in setting up their direct mail marketing campaign. Well, okay, let's take somebody that has a limited budget. Okay, yeah. which is generally what most most of our listeners are is somebody who's just getting into this. They, they, don't, they don't have a lot of money to spend. For sure. they, have any, they haven't done any deals. They've only done a few deals. So the first thing I want to say is don't feel like you need to hit every single house in your market. What I would do is pick three or four, five, six zip codes that you feel are priorities for you that you want to work. And I would start pulling your list in a handful of zip codes and try to, you know, configure your list um, you know, cause this criteria, you can do age demographic, you can do years owned of the property, you can do equity percentages. And so let's say I'm going to pick five zip codes and I'm going to go through these, these, uh, filters on these lists and I'm going to get a list down to a manageable list that I can mail to every 30 days to every six weeks. You're going to want to touch that list about every 30 days, to every six weeks. Okay. And that's, that's what you want to create as a situation not where you have a hundred thousand names and you're going to go through what you can afford each month until you get through that hundred thousand names. You're going to touch everybody wants. I'm going to go, I'm going to pick a list that I can mail to about every six weeks. I can afford to mail to that same list over and over and over again for at least a year. Okay. That's first priority because multiple touches does matter. Multiple touches does work. What direct mail, if I, if I'm going to phrase it the best way I can, there it's a, there's zero secret in direct mail. Okay. Once you figure it out what works in your market, there's zero secret. All direct mail really is, is a message. And will that message be in front of the person when they're ready to see it? That's it. Okay. Course, We're yeah. fishing. We're throwing the bait in the water. Timing, you know? It's about timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they need it the most, but if you're constantly a big reminder, you know, mm -hmm. every time they're pulling in the mail and they see that, then exactly. they put it to the side or put it on their, on their refrigerator. So, right. So, that's, I mean, the, 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 the best way to understand direct mail is it's like fishing in a pond and you're throwing the bait in and is the, is the fish hungry. And you know, you're going to, you know what I realized as well, I've heard this several times from other really successful, uh, direct mail marketing, um, investors that 
they that the the homeowner will pile up you know all these different letters and then when they are ready they'll actually go through the list and start calling all these people and then whoever they get on the phone is who they actually you know take advantage of so if if you actually are on your phone quickly so i do want to talk about that in a second but before before we jump into how you do your call services um let's talk about the list where do you get your list List source, I would say, is probably one of the best places to get your list. I mean, okay. there's a lot of great places to get a list, but, you know, if you are on a budget and you are, you know, um, looking to filter your list down, list source is a great, great way to, to, get, to go about it. I, I've tried a lot of different data sources, and I will say they're probably the best data. Not all data is created equally, and they're probably the most, most uh, clean, you know, as far as accurate. So, um, you know, that's, that's who I'd recommend. You can actually go to your title company too. In some States, like in our, in our state, our title company provide lists. They won't give us um, all the demographics we want. Like they can do a list with equity and certain zip codes and they can do length owned, but they can't do age or something like that. So there's, you can also go to your title company and title companies will usually provide that information for free if you really want to expand your budget. So um, title company or list source would probably be the way I would suggest going to get your list. Okay. Now, once you get this list and you start uh, categorizing it, you know, however you like with equity or um, absentee or, uh, you know, probate, whatever it may be, um, how do you keep track of this and how do you, how do you systemize it and, and put it into either an Excel or, or whatever it may be to, to keep track of all these people? Well, for, so for instance, on our list rotation, it's Excel. I mean, I'm going to be as, as honest as I can about that. There's, there's nothing sexy about, okay, we're mailing this piece out on this date with this many pieces and this is what it costs us. And that, that goes into an Excel sheet and we're tracking that. And every month is tracked and, and you know, like we, we plan out our direct mail and, you know, several months ahead. So we know kind of where, what's coming, what, what's going out and when and if we need to move something because we're getting more calls than we expected or less calls than we expected. So that's all in Excel. But if you're tracking um, your KPIs, then having a system like Podio with, um, you know, there's overlays like, you know, there's investor fuse, there's beast mode, there's, there's a handful of overlays for Podio out there that are great at tracking um, your leads that come in and doing your follow up. And then a service like call rails, a great service to use. Um, because it helps you track your calls. Like for instance, I said that every, every list I mail to has a different phone number. I'm tracking that, you know, if it's an equity list that has one phone number, if it's a, you know, a, a probate list that has a different phone number and so on and so forth. And call rail will allow you to see, okay, um, how many calls in the last week or last day or last month for that particular phone number. So you can see what your, uh, what your response rate is, you know, and track kind of what's going on. Okay. So, um, now, when people are calling in, do you have a system set up around that that other people are answering or um, are, are you trying to get on the phone? The most? No, no. So for, you know, just to, for, you know, just to kind of answer like what I do in my organization, I have nothing to do with buying houses anymore. Yeah. I'm not even involved. (laughs) Yeah. You set up this system to, you know, you're, you're at a very high level for somebody that's just starting out. You know, what would you recommend for, for somebody just getting started that wants to jump in next week? If you're just getting started. Okay. So before we get into my, what we have set up here, if you're just getting started, you need to be the one answering the phone. You you need to be answering your phone. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people go, well, I have a job. Well, I have this, I have that. Well, 
find somebody like a stay at home mom, a cousin, a sister, a brother, um, you know, a college student um, that, that wants some part-time work and maybe work a deal with them that for every contract you get, you're going to give them something or you're going to pay a minimum wage and have them answer the phone when you're at work. Um, just make sure that somebody that actually cares about your organization is answering the phone and building rapport with that. So that, that's, that's really um, important. In our organization, we have three lead managers. Um, I'm actually interviewing a fourth today. Cool. Um, and the three lead managers answer the calls. And our calls are pretty much answered 24-7 the way they're staggered. So, um, you know, they, they answer the phone, they build rapport, they answer questions. You know, if somebody's calling mad about the postcard, they're diffusing that person and, and trying to turn them into an appointment. Um, you know, and they're booking, they, so basically the call comes in, they answer the phone, they build the rapport, they answer questions, they, they let the people know who we are and what we do, and then they set the appointment. Um, they set the appointment, the acquisitions, acquisitions manager gets notified that appointment's been set, that acquisitions manager calls the, that person, introduces himself, and, you know, asks if they have any more questions, lets them, lets them know what to expect on the appointment, confirms the appointment, and then on the appointment day, the acquisitions manager goes in that appointment. Okay. You, know, you know, everything kind of goes the way it's supposed to go. We end up with a contract. So um, our, our whole process is designed to make sure that they're getting a very warm reception and communication from the time they pick up the phone and dial to the time we close. Okay. Now, there are certain call centers out there, though, that, you know, you could hire out or um, kind of be a part of the team that will end up getting a better lead source for you and then kind of funnel it out and get rid of all the other people send you possibly an email that to take off certain people off of the, um, off your list. Have, yeah. Have you, you could use, those? you could use one of those if you want your competitor to get the deals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, they're great if you have no other option or you are, um, you know, getting calls at two in the morning, they're fantastic. Right. But, um, other than that, there's no reason why you or somebody on your team shouldn't be answering the phone. Okay. You know, and, and if you want to win, I mean, that's answer the phone. I like that. Okay. Now, when it comes down to um, questions, do you have like a set of questions that it's always a standard um, type of questions when, you know, people are asking over the phone? Do we have a script? Yeah, a script. <laughs> yeah, that's probably better. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to plug John Martinez here for the, anybody who hasn't heard of John Martinez. He's, he's one of the best sales trainers when it comes to REI and real estate investing. Have you heard of John? No, I haven't. Okay. So John Martinez is, um, is one of the best sales trainers when it comes to REI and he does some, some, uh, events throughout the year where you can train your acquisitions people and so on and so forth. But he also has some online trainings and, um, we have taken his script um, and then kind of uh, reworked it for our organization. So okay. I would say, you know, uh, instead of me going, this is what we use, I would just go, I would, I would look up John Martinez. Um, I, would, I would get a hold of one of his trainings, and I would, um, I would use his script. That's, okay. that's where I would start. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so once you actually get somebody that is motivated and they are interested in, in sitting down with you, talking with you, you know, how do you, how do you set up, do you set up an appointment right away? Yeah. Well, the lead manager will set up an appointment and okay. then, um, we have right now we have three acquisitions managers in our main market and then we have acquisitions managers in our, in the market, other markets we're in. And so the lead manager will set the appointment. Some of the markets we're in really have one acquisitions manager. So that guy's going to get all the, um, appointments 
And then in our main market, we have uh, three. We have a fourth one starting, I think, next week. Um, so then we'll have two guys and two girls. Um, and then th- that kind of goes in a rotation. So um, based on, you know, who has what appointments and when and, and who's been booked you know, last and so on and so forth. So it'll go in a rotation. Once, once it's booked, um, it, the, the acquisitions manager takes it from there. And we have systems in place too. Like if the acquisitions manager doesn't get it in contract in 30 days, it goes back into the lead manager's rotation for follow-up. Um, you know, there's all kinds of little checks and balances we have. If the acquisitions manager hasn't touched the project, the property, or put any notes in for 10 days, it goes back to the lead manager. And mm-hmm. then the lead manager is responsible for that lead and, and either rebooking it or um, – you know, closing it themselves. We have all kinds of checks and balances that are really deep that we won't get into today, but just, you know, there's, it's, it's, there's, you definitely have to build out a process for accountability and follow up when you start to get to the level that we're at. Of course. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And then um, as far as, you know, just closing on the deal, you said afterwards you like to be in and out of a project for a fix and flip, correct? Uh, 30 days. We like to be in and out of the rehab in 30 days. Um, our average turn time is about 100 days for a flip, for a rehab. Um, and that's only because of FHA. You know, typically, you know, if it's not an FHA project, you know, we're going to see our turn times in the 80-day range, 90-day range. Um, if it's FHA, we got to wait to 120 days before we can actually put it in. We actually close on it. We have to wait till 90 days to put it in contract. So FHA skews us, but we sit about 95 to 100-day turn time. So from the time we buy it to the time we get our check, it's about Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a really quick uh, turnaround time. That's good. Yeah. Gotta, Efficiencies. Yeah. You got some good systems in place. Yeah. I like it. Cool. So what would you recommend to any, you know, uh, newbie investors out there that want to get started and they don't know where to go? They don't, they don't know what to do to get started. Um, you know, if you have no clue where to get started, you can go to, uh, I have a website, fliptalk.com. You can go to, to, we have a little coaching application there and you can go there and I can point you in the right direction um, to a couple of courses that I think are fantastic and that I vetted personally and I actually help coach. So, but um, honestly, you know, there, there are podcasts. Look, the, I mean, the, the information that's at your fingertips today is just ridiculous. When I started back in 2003, it was Carlton Sheets. Um, there was no, there was no YouTube. Podcasts weren't a thing. Um, you know, it, it's GPS in your phone didn't exist. We had to use Microsoft streets and maps and print them out and drive around. It was crazy different, right? Um, so the information is at your fingertips today. I think it's just, it's just weeding through the noise that can be an issue. Um, if you're hungry enough, you can, there are books and podcasts and YouTube. You can learn, you can get yourself going, you can make it happen. If you want to accelerate it and kind of, um, you know, sift through the noise, then there are some great programs out there. Um, and like I said, hit me up and I I can definitely set you up with some of the right ones. So, um, I'm very big on having the right coaching, you know, for, and then let me kind of step back. I I was anti-coach for a long time, for a lot of years. I was anti-coach. You can do it yourself. I was, and, um, it wasn't until I got involved in, you know, with the right groups, uh, of people and started realizing how my business accelerated through being with the right coaches and the right, right people and the right networks. And even helping, like when I, when I have coached and helped people and answered questions, it makes me stop and think, you know, just because that's the way we do it is the best way we do it. So even helping people and answering questions and coaching has helped my business grow. I'm sure you probably found the same thing. It's like, they go, they go, why do you do this? And you know, or what do you do? And I go, well, we do this and this because, 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 and they go, well, but is that the best way? And yeah, change yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So for me, even, even helping has, has helped me grow. So my, my view has changed tremendously. I think that having the right coach is beneficial to really accelerating your game, really accelerating your business. My son's in water polo. We just spent quite a bit of money to send him to Pepperdine University for a week. He's only going into his freshman year. I mean, that's, that's how serious we are about his, his water polo and his commitment to water polo. And we paid for coaching for him and water polo. You know, people pay for coaching for their, their kids in football and baseball. Athletes have professional coaches to make them better and help them see what they don't see. And, and in all these arenas, we're not anti-coach, but when it comes to real estate investing, so many people are. Yeah. And um, I just, my mindset's changed. I think it's a good thing. I got nothing to, to sell right now by saying that. I'm just saying I think it's a good thing to have the right coach. It just to find the people who've been through market cycles, find the people who have real businesses, um, you know, get beyond the people who've done two or three deals and think they're a guru. <laughs> you yeah. know, I guess is my point. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, um, I, I think I, I might have been in the same boat at first, you yeah. know, just like you said uh, originally with um, – being a little bit anti, you know, coaching or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you got to stop thinking as uh, this is a cost and think as this is an investment. I'm investing myself right now and I should expect an ROI um, on, on my investment. So, uh, you know, you, you pointed out some great examples, you know, athletes, everybody, Mm -hmm. a, a lot of big time players, they're, they're all having coaches and people that help them practice to get to their next level. So why shouldn't we? Um, so I'm great. I'm glad you pointed that out. Really good example. Cool. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I just kind of hit on my son again. I mean, we sent him to Pepperdine for a week. And, and the difference in the player he was before he left and the player he was when he got yep. back, he played a tournament the weekend he got back. And I, I was, thought I was looking at a different kid. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, so that just it reinforces that when you have the right people giving you the right tools in the right order so that you can use them, it's a game changer. That's, that's huge. I love it. Cool. So, um, any, any final words? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think so many people are afraid to take action in this business and and I'm sure you hear this a lot from people, you know, imperfect action is better than no action at all. Right. I mean, I've been beaten up in this business. I have lost everything. I, I was, I went from nothing to a millionaire back to below nothing. You know, when I, when I lost everything, I, I walked away with a million dollar judgment against me. And when I restarted this business, I started with a million dollar judgment against me. And, um, you know, I'll be the first one to say it. I mean, I had no options to get, get credit cards. I couldn't get a bank loan. I really started with no money. I was buying gas with quarters. I was going to the grocery store with calculator. And I still was able to go out there and find somebody to back me private money wise. I still was able to go out there and put deals together. And I changed my family, my life, you know, everything in the last five years. Um, just by, by taking action and doing it. I fail each and every day. I still do. Even, yeah. even with the business we have today, we make decisions that don't always work out. And um, I just, it's a part of business. It's part of growing. Don't be scared. Get out there and do it. You're not going to regret it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's a, that's a humbling experience, you know, from just a few years ago to now where you're at today. This is awesome. This is oh, true. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear it all the time. People understanding that real estate is one of the, the main key uh, factors in getting that financial freedom. Um, and, and they just don't know how to get started or they have all the limited beliefs that they need, all, all types of money uh, before they jump in or they don't want to become a landlord because they don't want to unclog toilets in the middle of the night, all, the, all these crazy excuses. Um, 
but but I'm glad that you know you did take action and I definitely want to encourage other people to take action as well um, because because at the end of the day that's where you'll learn the most and uh, you don't need to be extremely 100% fully prepared for something to just dive in and start doing it um, education does help obviously and having the coaches and mentorships um, but it has to be the right fit and make sense for you to, to be able to actually get that ROI. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Don. Could you let everybody know out there how they can get a hold of you or reach out to you? Yeah, um, you can reach out to me at Don at fliptalk.com. And um, I do reply to the emails sometimes slowly. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, like last couple of months, I've been all over the place from camping to um, I'll be in Baltimore this weekend. I was in Stockton for my son's water polo tournament last weekend. So I am traveling. So I am slow to respond, but I do absolutely love the emails and I do respond. Um, you can also, uh, you can find information about my podcast, Flip Talk at fliptalk.com. Yep. And of course I'm on Facebook as well. So um, reach out to me and just hit me up. You know, I'm, I love networking and interacting and uh, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I appreciate you. Guys, you can always reach me at uh, Brandon Elliott investments.com uh, and uh, I'm on all social media as well Brandon Elliott Investments um, don't forget to get your book action driven <laughs> come action driven guys take action uh, this book will actually you know help show you a little bit more deeper into into my stories my personal history and uh, why I've been known and, and certain things that I do on a daily basis to take action so hopefully that will help you as well if you're impatient like me, then you can always read to the very back and I, I broke down a little cheat sheet for you guys. But um, thank you so much, Don. Appreciate you so much. Is there any way that we can uh, serve you or add value to you in any way? Um, for the listeners, if you are in the Eugene, Oregon uh, market or Las Vegas market, I am looking for acquisitions folks in those markets. We are going that direction. Um, I am always, uh, like I said, looking for people to do deals with and, uh, and just networking. So, I mean, that's, that's really it. So other than that, man, Brian, uh, just stay in touch, man. Yeah. Or Brandon. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> so, you guys. All right. All right. Cool. Till next right. time guys. God bless. Thank you. This has been another episode of ready, set, go real estate investing podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.